Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Sorry about that. Hit the mic when I pulled it up here. This is episode 628 of Coach Unplugged. Um, today, we're going to start a three-part series about practice planning. This will be you're, There's so many good golden nuggets on it, so make sure when you're running and jogging, you, you, you take your notebook or your... Uh, uh, audio memo and, and take some good notes on this. Uh, but before we before we jump into that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, not only for skill development, not only for shots taken. Um, they have some of the top trainers <coughs> that will do you will do a workout with you, um, visually do it with you. So uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off your next purchase. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. I can't imagine a better time to work on your craft. Um, I think at Teach Hoops, we run a very unique um, platform where not only do we do office hours and one-on-one calls, not only do you get my personal email address where I'm here to help. I think I had, I had a coach a couple days ago just ask for some dribble drive stuff. Poof, sent it off to him. Um, you know, we're working on, on that specific course. Um, but anyway, so uh, go over and check it out. Uh, I think you'll be, I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised, and it helps us keep the lights on here at Coach Unplugged. All right, that's one way you can give back. We would also love a review if you if you want to want to do that. That would be great. All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Coach, we'll try not. My last, I, I was talking to a coach from Ireland. You'll have to listen to it. Okay. And he he broke the record, so we will not go two plus hours tonight. Because oh, okay. <laughs> that's how I long him and I went. But um, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. What I, what I have people do is kind of introduce themselves. So Sean will do that. He'll introduce himself. And then I want you to give like a bio, kind of your synopsis of your coaching career. And then we'll jump into some of the practice planning and, and some of that other stuff. So let the audience know where you are. I, I, I picked up on the Boston accent when we were doing <laughs> yes, the, the pre-interview here. But you, you, you explain where you came from, kind of where you are now and, and all that for the audience. Well, first of all, thanks for, you know, having me on, Steve. I, you know, I, I just love, you know, talking basketball and, you know, my name's Sean Doherty and uh, I was born and raised in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, right outside of Boston. And um, I kind of grew up there till I was like 31 years old. And I was lucky enough to play Division Three basketball um, at uh, Worcester State College, Division Three school in the, Mass, in the MassCat Conference. And I was a point guard there. And then I went on and started my coaching career um, actually there with the head coach, Tom Moore, who's now at UConn. Um, and then um, I left Worcester State and ended up going to uh, Assumption College, Division II school in Worcester, Massachusetts. And uh, it was great. I was at Assumption College in the NE10, which is a, one of the best conferences in the country for Division II. And uh, I was there for four years and had, you know, great, got my master's degree in education from there. And then uh, I 
you know, applied for a job at um, Holy Cross College. A guy named Ralph Willie got the job at Holy Cross, and Ralph used to be with Rick Pitino, and he you know, was up, you know, Jim Beheim, and he coached Pittsburgh. So I, um, I applied, and I got the job, and I was like the third assistant at Holy Cross, and every year I was there, one of the other assistants left, and I kind of became Ralph's associate head coach after three years, and um, it was great. We won three, uh, three championships there at Holy Cross and played Kansas, Kentucky, and Marquette in the NCAA tournaments. Um, so it was a great experience. And then I, uh, I went down to Western Kentucky and I went with Darren Horn, um, you know, who, uh, was coach South Carolina for a little while. Yep. He was assistant Marquette. He got the job, Darren. So I was with Darren for a while there. And, um, then I decided to take a head job, a head division three job. So I was with Darren for about less than a year and, um, a division three job opened up in the MASCAC at Salem State College, where I played as a player. I played in that Wichita State Conference. So I decided to be, come back home, come back to Boston. Salem, Mass is right outside of Boston. The Salem okay. Witches, they, you, know, they, they, yep. they, you know, that's the big thing. And um, I came back, and I was a head Division three coach. And I was that, a Division three coach for four years. And um, I loved being my, you know, I was my own boss. And it was the first time I ever became the head coach. And we had a great, we won four championships there. And um, I had a great, you know, success there. That's for sure. Like, you know, over a hundred wins. Um, and it was just fun. And then my old height, my old college coach ended up getting a job at Quinnipiac university. And he called me up and he's like, Hey, I want you to come. So with where's me. that one? Everything you've, I followed everything up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> Quinnipiac is a division one school in the mass cat in the, in the, in the, in the Mac. And it's in, um, it's in Hamden, Connecticut, right okay. beside Yale university, about 10 miles away from Yale. Okay. Okay. And I'll okay. tell you when I was recruiting for them, that was the same exact when I go out to Wisconsin or I go out to anywhere, they'd be like, Quinn, what Quinn, who it's Isn't almost sounds like to be honest with you, almost sounds like a Canadian, like Quinn. Yeah, in a pack or win. It's like exactly. almost sounds like Canadian. Yeah, okay. They're really well known for hockey right now. They've okay. uh, they've, they've gone to the Final Four, Division One in hockey, um, and in basketball. We you know when we were there, we started off in the NEC, which is like Sacred Heart, Central Connecticut, Robert Morris, LIU. Yeah, that was the league, and then uh, we ended up going on into the MAC conference, which has Siena, um, you know, uh, Iona, Manhattan, yep. which is a much bigger conference, right? So, you know, it was a little bit tougher. And then what happened was the new AD came in after 10 years, got rid of us. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of a decision maker. It was the first time in my life I've ever been let go. Right. And, um, you know, I've been, now I'm like, you know, in my forties and I'm like, Oh, you know, mid forties. Oh, like, it's like, what do you, what do you do? <laughs> right. And you know, my, the old assistant who was with me at the time is this head coach at Indiana, Archie Miller. Another guy who was an assistant with me was at uh, Iowa state. Um, William small when he was at Western. Okay. He's, he's, like, he's dropping some names here. Like, no, but God. I'm like, yeah. I'm no, thinking, I'm, that, that's serious though. They're legit. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, yeah. you know, uh, I was in the same office yeah. as Archie. Me yeah. and Archie shared an office together. And, right. you know, William was right down yeah. the hall with me. We were on the same staff. Right. So I was like, um, do I move my whole family across the country to one of those schools and try and jump on with one of them? Or do I, you know, my son's high school, my son was a freshman in high school. And okay. his job, the job opened up there at Hamden Hall. It's yeah. a small prep school right here in Hamden, where I was coaching for the last 10 years. I right. was Division one coach at Hamden, uh, Quinnipiac. And right. I'm like, you know what? Why don't I coach my son for the next couple of years? So instead of jumping back into Division one across the country and moving my family again, I decided let's coach my son. And I've had a great experience that this is going into my, this is going into my fourth year now. Yeah, I've been with him since freshman year. So we've, I've had three years now with him at Hamden Hall. It's a uh, small prep school in the in in Nepsack. And who Park. does that prep school play? 
we play like uh, Marianapolis, St. Luke's, St. Thomas More. Okay. Um, okay. You know, uh, you know, Middlebury. Yep. Uh, you know, like you know, like there's a bunch of like small. And do you get do you do you do post, do you do PG or you do? We uh, don't. It's only okay. high school, but we do reclassification kids. So a lot of kids come to me and want to do their junior year over and okay. leaving a leaving a, a regular uh, public school. They okay. come and they say, "Hey, we're gonna. I'd like to go there and do a reclass year." Okay. Um, and so you know, this there's some good and some bad with that. Some people right. suggest them to go and stay until you graduate, then go to year prep school. Other kids want to reclass when they're freshmen or sophomore. Well, my son's trying to figure out if he needs a gap year too. Yeah. It's like, it's, who knows? Like, it's, it, <laughs> really, it really is different for every kid, I think. It um, is. It is. I think it really is. So a couple things. Okay, so first of all, what was it like to play Division Three and coach Division Three? So that's the first question I have for you. Well, you know, I'll tell you, playing Division Three, I was a, you know, I was a point guard, um, and you know, it was, it, it's funny because when I was in high school, basketball was everything to me, and and you know, like it was right. like. And I was like practicing all summer long from eight in the morning until the lights went out at the park right. and left o'clock at yeah. night. And then when I got to college, I thought I could kind of drift and just, you know, I got into the whole, like, you know, I'm a college basketball player, yeah. started meeting girls. Right. Going out. And yeah. so I didn't focus as much as I wish I did on my college preparation. You know, now that I've been a coach, all these, I realized what I did wrong when I was a player. So I was kind of like a backup, you know, point yeah. for all those years. And um, it was fun playing, and we had some great experiences, and I love my teammates. But I don't think I ever got the best of what I could have been. And, and I played D3, too. It, there's, yeah. a, there's a love for the game you get at D3. Oh, yeah. There's no glory. No, like, no. I played in my high school gym filled more than my – I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah. So <laughs> – um, cause I went to a big high school. It's like, we'd have put two, 3000 in and then I'd go to college. It'd be like, we get 400, you know, oh, without, without a doubt. I was just like, I was the same thing. I was, just yeah, like, you, you, you play, there's a difference. There's a love of the game. Um, so Holy cross Patriot league, great league, great league. It's like, it's like a mini Ivy. Like, you know, you have doubt. obviously the NASDAQ where my son's going, but then yep. you got that one, which is a really good league. I think it's the, the Patriot leagues under we were, uh, you know, we came into that league when I got, when I got there, uh, they did a book, uh, John Feinstein did a book. And, I've read uh, that book. It's a great book. Yeah. yeah it's funny. If you ever go into the acknowledgements at the very end, I'm in there and it says, you know, acknowledgement says, and Sean Darty in, yes, you too, Sean. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he was always make fun of me. Like I would have, Hey, you gotta put me in the book. You gotta put me in the book. You know but, I mean? Yeah. It's funny. It's, um, it's, 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 I mean, his son was looking at it for just school. wasn't, yeah. well, I go there. I won't eat. It's like a Colgate and some of those schools. Unbelievable. You got to be a student. Like you, you oh, go doubt. to those schools unless you're a student. I'll tell you, I can tell you some stories about some of the recruits we brought in for the academics and bringing them down to the admissions department. It was, it was hysterical. Um, I'll give you a good one. We brought this one kid from New York in, and I was like, all right, listen, we're going down to the admissions interview right now. Like, you got to be on point here. The admissions lady's no joke. She's going to ask you questions. Like, you know, you know make right. sure you understand. I told him all this stuff. <laughs> And she said, you know, this is the true story. Kid came out. I said, how'd it go? He goes, all right, how'd it go? So I, I asked him, Michigan, I go, what do you think? She goes, well, Sean, I'm not too good. He goes, I asked him what the last book he read. <laughs> and, he said, and he said, I don't read books. I was oh, like, my oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, holy cross. I'm like, well, we can take him off the old recruiting list. I can. I'll tell you, holy cross, because that was on my son's list. I can tell you, they wanted, for the financial aid stuff I needed to fill out, they wanted literally to know what my – great ancestors made oh. and where is that third nickel that you said you had oh they where to god it was more pay in my my son i think it was like 
by the time it was done, like 18 schools, there were, there were Ivy, Little Ivies, the Patriot League. It wasn't any, they were in a, they're in a different class for what they asked for. It was like, are you kidding? What do you want? Like, you want my firstborn child? Like, they were asking for more things than any human being should ever want. I could see how people would give up. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not they, doing this. You're not going to. It was hard to get in. We had to be real specific with the type of recruit we went after. We used to um, pre-qualified kids. Uh, you know, Ralph was a stickler on making sure that we, you know, we went to Jesuit schools and we pre-qualified kids and made sure right. they had the SATs and the transcript prior to coming in. And there was a lot of background checking. Before the we the only thing I've thought about is, like, coaching in the NASDAQ, coaching in the Patriot, coaching in the Ivy, is you basically, here's your pool. Like, yeah. You can see a kid in Indiana on a July day, and you go, I can't even look at that kid. Like, oh, not a your pool is this 10%, maybe 5%, 10, 5, that I can even look at these kids. Like, exactly. So I think that in some respects, you're probably all fighting for the same kids. That's exactly what it was. We were fighting against the darkness and all the time and against the right. uh, Patriot League and yeah. you know, all the schools and uh, the NEPSACs, you know, NEPSAC schools. So it was right. It was Right, and then what the problem is, the Nasdaqs are trying to grab one of yours that you can give a scholarship. They're trying to grab them because yep. they can't give a scholarship. It's like this whole to grab the one above if the Ivy, you know. Yeah, and you guys are trying to get the Ivy, and then the yeah, Ivies are so, trying to grab a Duke kid or a yeah, really, yeah, or like a Stanford. It's like, oh, I know, but yeah. it's it, it, it's interesting. I think in the sense that if you're at Michigan or Michigan State, you're you basically have the pool of the world. Like, oh, without a doubt, yeah. In your but it was also great because you got to get to coach kids who really got it. You know what I mean? And I love – that was my four years of kind of like really becoming a coach because, first of all, Ralph Willow was phenomenal. Right. Um, he was a stickler for the little things, and he was uh, maniacal on – you know, he was a Rick Pitino disciple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And he kind of like almost taught Rick some of his stuff. So, like, he was – we, you know, we had early morning, all the things you can imagine. We had early morning individuals at, you know, 6, 6 a.m. And, you know, you had to be there for 530, dressed and ready. And, you know, we went through a hard workout. And then, you know, late night study hall, you know, just you name it, we did it. Film and breakdown effort stats. The effort stats were phenomenal, like breaking down a kid's tape and showing it to them. It's, it's you know, the stuff I learned. The one thing the Patriot doesn't have, the, the Ivy, the Ivy, and I've talked to Dave about this, the Ivy is like, my the kid we were talking about, Chris, he was going to do um a sex fifth ever. I don't know what's happening now. This summer he was doing an internship. There oh, yeah. was nothing going on this summer. They shut them down. That, that hurt. Like that there's no like no. individual like it. No. So uh, the Patriot League probably isn't quite like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, the connection is a little bit bigger when you're an Ivy League kid. You're a little bit different. But I'll yeah. tell you, those Patriot League schools, those, like the Holy Cross guys, they, they they stick together. If you're a Holy Cross alum. There's alums oh, yeah. out there that'll give you jobs, and they want to hire Holy Cross guys. So. I told my I told my son. I said the school you, you could have gone to a lot of schools, but he's going to Middlebury. I said the problem you're, you're middle once you get through there, you're a Middlebury kid. Exactly. So all of a sudden now, other Middlebury people will know you. Like, exactly, that's, yeah. and that's where you're going to get your job down the road. It'll be someone that'll hire him because of that. Yeah, it's the um, advice I give all my senior athletes. As I said, when you go to college, every day meet a new person, connect with somebody because you don't ever know which one is going to open that door up. Um, and you, you, some of your best friends will be that one person in that one class that you just connected with. You never know. Um, all right. So let's go, let's jump in the practice stuff, coach. I'd love to talk about that. So let's, uh, let's have you share the screen here and jump into practice. Let's talk, let's do that. Let's do the first one that you were talking about that PowerPoint. Let's just go through real quick, you know, kind of your, your summary of practice. Then maybe we can talk about a practice. Yep. All right. Let me, um, 
You want a summary of the you want the summary? Yeah, let's do that one first. Let's do that one first. All right. Um, you know, I just I showed this a couple times out to you know some people, and I think it's yep. important. You know, you, you just got to have a plan of like um, when you're running your practice at practice planning. Yep. You know, I think there's important things to have, and I think you got like first of all, you got to be really organized. Um, you know, I think you got to meet with your staff and go over you know your plans each day. And if you don't have a staff, just make sure you have a plan. And how much time like, do you spend on a practice plan? And I probably you know it's it's you know, I've been doing this for 25 years now, so right. I probably spend a half an hour. Um, you know what I mean? When I was younger, I probably spent a little bit when I was first doing my first job at Salem state there, I probably did an hour, an hour and a half, but yeah. you know, I, I sent it to my coaches after because they're all teachers. So I sent it to them and they look it over. Give me a, Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Please. If you want to help us out, you can do a couple things. You could go over and subscribe and like, leave a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. Also, you could go over and check out teachhoops.com. You can make a commitment to yourself. Um, unlike a lot of this, the resources that are out there, and there are a lot of good ones, um, this is not a stagnant, you know, sit and leave it alone. I am always in the community. I'm always answering questions. I am there to help. I have been successful at the highest level you can be at the at the high school level, play at the collegiate level, coach at the youth level. I know what you're going through. I know what that irate parent's going to say. I know how you can get that kid to get the 50-50 ball. So go over and check it out. And let us know what you think. All right, let's get back to the podcast. A couple things. I go back, edit it, and say, oh, yeah, I should have added that in. Good point. So I think that's important to do. I think you have to have that. I think it has to be right. And then I, I show it to the players. Like, when I get there, I post it so they see it, what's going to go on today. So I put right. it up in the locker room when we get there so they can see what the, kind of like the practice is. And, and is there a specific time that you do it? Like, especially now being a high school coach, do you? Yeah. Um, we usually have practices. Like, our kids go to school until 2.50. Okay. then they take a bus over to our – we have, a, like, a – $10 million practice facility. It's really nice. Three okay. courts, beautiful. It's Beckerman Center. Okay. Dave Beckerman, who started the starter corporation of the basket, you know, the jacket starter. Yep. Yep. He had a lot of money. He used to be the coach here for 20 years. And okay. he built he built this facility called the Beckerman Center. So the kids leave the school like 250 and they come over to the Beckerman Center. And um, then I do study hall from three to four. And I just okay. have them stay in a room and, you know, like, you know, kind of like the uh, lunchroom there and they just okay. re, you know do some study hall but then that's where i show the practice plan to have it up and then we go on the court every day from four to six okay so four to okay. six that time and that gives the time for the teachers who teach my coach assistants to get there and yeah kind of yeah like that's the hard part i know and then do you do you do your practice plan for the next day that night or do you wait till the no next i kind of do it the next you know next morning and you yeah. know talk about it then i send it to them an email and the email will be back or sometimes i'll do it at night depends on how how it really goes i used people. to do it at night but i like to dwell on it i think i dream about it to be honest <laughs> with you i mean because it's like oh that didn't go well and do you tape yeah. your practices um we i started doing that but then i realized <laughs> to be honest with you i'm the only one watching them and like going over it and I kind of, i'm like because it used to be like in college like you know we have the other assistants the kids the right. players and the high school level is like it's me it's me. like it's the I'm exact same coach. and i'm like and to get managers to help out to do it like that i'd rather have the manager running the clock than running the film yeah up top. and you know so it's kind of like i got away from it um i did start doing that but i like I got, I, you know, you got to get one of the automated recorder things like VR. Yeah, I know. Those are expensive. They, they are expensive. That. Yeah. It is. And they, and they, and they do just, do that? I do. No. We just got one about a year or two ago. Um, and it's really nice. It's like, and the thing is what I'll do is I won't watch the whole practice, but it's like, I'll, I'll be home, I'll eat dinner. And then I'll start thinking about like, Oh crud, we didn't do that very well. So let me go, I'll go back and watch that drill. 
it'll right. be me it, and you're right it's 97 percent probably me and one of my assistants but yeah, yeah. um so. i just like it from that standpoint or oh wow we did really well remember that one thing we were working on let's go back and look at that what was that doing that's right. where it's nice to have it um yeah, yeah. yeah i it's it's not like i'm throwing the ball or kicking anything at him there's nothing on there that's gonna get me in trouble <laughs> exactly yeah I'm not, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't worry about that i like i have all my practice open to my parents i i encourage every parent to come to every practice and where do your parent where do your kids tend to be local yeah um they all within a um they're all within a half an hour distance because it's a day school only they don't have no uh oh okay Okay. Yeah, so it's all you know. They, I mean, it's, there's no uh, overnight kids, so it's all commuting. So okay, it's all parents coming so. to pick them up. And I just always thought, like, a parent's there. Like, why are they sitting in the car waiting? I said, please, just come in and watch the last yeah. half an hour. Get you, if I want, I want to watch my kid play ball for a little while. So, right. honest, I, I have my kids' parents come in all the time and sit in stands. I just tell them make sure they don't go crazy. You know, and be loud, right. You know, <laughs> don't so, yell at them. Yeah. But, okay, um, let's keep going. You know, I, and, you know, then I, I talk about, like, having uh, making sure my staff all have a firm firm understanding of the plays and the drills that we're okay. going to cover. I think yep. that's important. Like, a lot of times, I, I shouldn't be the only one who knows what the drill is about. So that's right. why I send it to the coaches early and say, hey, if you don't know the drill, let me know and we'll go over it. Right. I don't want, you know, oh, when you come in early, you know, like, we'll talk about it during study hall so you kind of understand. Because right. I might like, have to do something, they have to run, and I don't want to be embarrassed by, you know, my staff not knowing. Right. And it shows that everybody's on the same page. Yep. Um, yep. I think that's important. Okay. Um, I think the warm-ups are important. Like, nowadays, the kids, back in our day, you know, used to be right over left, you know, like, right. I'm across, I'm yeah. across. All right, let's go, play ball. Right. You know, like. Today, I think you got to give the kids a little bit more dynamic warm-up. They used to like some plyometrics, so I'm having a routine. And that's one thing we did when I was at the end of my years at Quinnipiac. We had the um, the Navy SEALs come in and do a SEAL training program. Oh, my gosh. And it was a three-day program. And I'll tell you, it was unbelievable accountability and leadership. And uh, if anybody could have a chance to have a part of that or watch that on film or whatever, you really should because if you're a coach, it just they just talk about – leadership and the dynamics of it and one of their big things was the warm-up and how they have one leader and he would you know he'd say oh you know uh, all right you know knees to chest to half court and back ready and then the whole group in a line would have to say ready and then he'd say attack and then they said they say attack and it looked just so good they were all on the same page the leader stepped up told them what the drill was they all went out and they went to half court and they came back and then the leader get out and he say all right you know next one butt kicks ready and they all yell ready and they, if you, you as a coach you gotta if the one kid wasn't saying ready you went down there and you ripped into him because you got to be part of the you know the group right on the leader and uh you know i was all about that and i'll tell you like the kids loved it you know like as, as you know like they did this eight minute dynamic warm-ups you know like ply you know uh, you know um, all the different ones and uh it was great you know i think the kids really enjoyed it so i think that's important and i said i think uh you know running the clock is important if you have a clock in your gym yeah. you should have that because and keep the drills short you know like too many coaches i go watch a lot of practices and they'll be like all right nine minutes of this and the kids are like after minute two they're like you know done no so here's what i tell people when i go out and talk too it's like we live in a snapchat world people tiktoks the longest a tiktok is is a minute and most of them are 15 seconds so yeah. if you think you're keeping their attention for nine to ten minutes yeah you're not <laughs> that's that, that. That's all that UB Brown practice stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I love watching. I, I watch UB Brown a couple of times. Anybody get a chance to watch UB Brown on uh, talking about practice? He is phenomenal. Like I'm okay. talking like off the charts. Like he says, make sure you come in with a cue card. Make sure every drill is three to five minutes. He's he's uh he's right he's right on point. 
I love oh. that. I do. Hubie's got some great stuff. I agree. Oh my God. He's like, man, talk about a genius in basketball back in the day. Um, you know, and then, you know, obviously I think you, you have your practices start early, you know, like a, a longer early in the year and then taper them down to make sure to taper it down. Yeah. And then, um, you you're know, down to an hour 15 and in, in uh, is that total an hour 15 at the and very end, cutting film? Um, that is cut when they came in and, you know, at the end of my practice late February, like, yeah. Cause you know, I hate to say it, but I'd only play like probably eight, nine guys. I didn't want to get them hurt. So right. I, think, I thought an hour, an hour and 15 minutes was good enough. And we, okay. you know, we, we keep it simple and we go through it and, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I started early on, it would be two, two and a half hours, but then by the end it's an hour and 15. And I'll tell you right now, when I was at Quinnipiac, same thing, hour and 15, hour and a half at the most in late February at Holy Cross, Ralph Willard, hour and 15, hour and a half. So a lot of Division One guys doing the same thing. They taper it down. It was three hours to start, and by the end they were doing an hour fifteen, an hour and a half. I love so, that. I do that too. I love that. Yeah, um, and I think that you know you got to know that practice is where you create new winning culture. You know, so I think you have to have accountability for all segments, um, winners and losers. As much as you can do, winners. Kids love that. I mean, I don't care what drill you're doing. If you can get a winners and losers, kids love busting on their teammates. That was the fun part of like, when yeah. I played. Yeah, like, yo, get on the line. You know what I mean? Leaders got you. And then, you know, like. It doesn't matter. From from someone that's done this a long time, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like, no, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and the thing is, sometimes it depends on the seat part of the season, too. Early in the season, you might run. Late in the season, you might do five burpees. Exactly. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. Like if they're doing a contest versus another player, I'll say you have to do five burpees. And you have to say three nice things about the person you beat yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or beat, you know, oh, that lost to, you know, and it's like, you have nice hair, you know, like whatever, <laughs> but it's just like, they'll laugh and then they're doing it, but they're, they don't want to do that. Like, right, right. you know, so it's kind yeah, of a losing thing. Yeah. 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 I'll, I, I tell you, so I think that's a huge thing. And, um, I said, I think pushing your effort stats, like I'm a big believer when we were at Holy Cross, we did this thing called effort stats. I could show and you. What are, what so you called. talked about that before we came on the air. Like, give me uh, some examples of effort stats. Um, let me see if I can, I can pull it up right. Okay. I have right here. Yeah. Let me see. Can you. Can yeah. You I can see, see that. that. I can see that. that yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. So now like what we would do is um, when I was at Holy Cross, one of the big things, the effort stats were huge. And they would, we would break down a game film at the end of the game. So what we do is we take this right here, this form, and it would say, all right, we'd watch the first segment of the game, first, uh, okay. first play of the game. And I'd be like, okay, here we go. First shot goes up. Stop, pause. Did Gio block out? No, Gio didn't block out. He got a zero. All right, did Danny block out? He did. Rewind it. Wait a minute. Yeah, uh, he did. He checked the kid. He got him. He got a one. He, all, all the way down to the five guys in the game. If they had a chance to block out, did they or didn't they? And then it would be a zero that. one. And then you go to the next possession where there was a ball loose or a ball got, you know, got away. That's a ball pursuit. If you ever saw that while you're breaking down the film and you saw a ball being loose or whatever, did your guy pursue it? Or did he kind of just let someone else go get it? And how many of those do you? How many ball pursuits do you see in a game? That you know, I'll tell you. You be when you start looking for them, there's a lot more than you can because you could say to a kid, you could have went for that, but you didn't, and like no one else would pick up on it. But when you're watching it in film, you see two guys standing beside each other, and then one kid reacted to it, and the other kid kind of just stood. And, you know, and then when he saw the other kid went for it, he just kind of got in the defensive stance. So that would be a zero for ball pursuit. That's a, I think that's a huge I, – I mean, I've heard of some of these. That's a huge – I think if you do that early in the season, oh. that can be the difference between winning and losing. 
without a doubt. You know, that's, you know, that's diving on loose balls, right. ball shoots, that's, right. you know, all that. And then the shot contest, we, we talked about, like Ralph did this study when he was with Brick um, in the, uh, in the NBA about balls, uh, ball side shot contest. He's talked about a shot contest in the middle of the face. It doesn't really affect the shot as much. But when you do a ball side shot contest right where the shooter's hand is and you're right. on the ball side, the kid has to usually move his hand just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left. And that affects his shooting percentage at least 10%. So are you talking same side hand? Same like, side hand. Because I'm telling you, I just read an article, I don't know, somewhere halfway through. The, like if it's a right-handed shooter and you close out with your left hand, it drops like 15%. It's crazy. Like yeah. it is something in the last couple of years we've really started to work on. The stats doesn't lie about it. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, like ball side. Just making sure, like my thing was just making sure he's on the ball side. Whatever hand you get up there, yep. just get it on that ball side. So the kid has to think about moving the ball a little bit and angling his arm. Oh, a little. Um, so we used, to, we used to chart that zero, one, zero, right. one. And I'll tell you, that would even get kids who normally just, you know, there's a lot of kids just run out there and close out, don't even put their hand up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. You know? So if you charted that, you know, and then you see at the end what happens. And then, then the only thing you do on the offensive end is offensive rebounding attempts. So, like, when we go down to the offensive side, I'd be like, right. all right, don't worry about the whatever. When the shot goes up, did you go? Did Gio go for an offensive rebound? Did Danny go for an offensive rebound? And if one of them had offensive responsibility, I mean, defensive responsibility, like the top guy getting right. back, did he get back? Did he say, I got back, I got back? If he didn't, he got a zero. If he did, he gets a one. You know, right, because you don't necessarily want to crash five at all times. No, but no, it, we, were, we always crashed four. Okay, okay. And, and that when we were at Holy – when I was at, a, um, at Quinnipiac, we crashed four. And I'll tell you right now, we were the number one rebounding team in the country in 2013-14, and we were no, the number one offensive rebounding team in the country for seven straight years at Quinnipiac over Duke, Kentucky – Michigan. I mean, it's unbelievable. Because you're charting it. Whatever you yeah. chart, they're going to do. Whatever you Exactly. Chart, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and then we did charted the charges. And obviously, if you had a chance to take it, you didn't. If you did it, okay. you got one. Yep. Um, deflections were always huge. We try to get 40 or higher deflections. And what you don't do zeros for deflections. You just do one. No, no, no. Just if you got one. Okay. Um, you know, because it's tough to do a zero. So yep. just deflections. And we always say, but 40 is our number you have to reach. If you don't get 40, we run. You know what I mean? So, okay. like, kids with hands – and Ralph was always about keeping your hands up. He said hands down, like, you know, like you don't get a chance to get a ball deflection. Yeah. And hands down, man down. down, man. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. You know, all that. So I was big, uh, a big believer in hands up on deflections. Um, and then closeouts and rotations, I added in. We didn't chart that when I was holding cross, but I added that when I was at um, Salem State because I just – and what do you mean by closeout rotations? Whether they whether the ball gets skipped and you can get a closeout? Yeah, like you can tell in a defensive possession, like when a ball gets skipped, did your man do a horrible closeout? You know, did okay. he just sprint out there to get blue by him? Right. All right, well, that's a zero. You know what I mean? Right. But if yeah. he, he shuffled his feet, he controlled the guy, and he still got beat, I'd give him a one because he, he, you know, he did right. a good closeout, but the kid scored. That's a hard thing for a high school kid to do effectively oh. is that second rotate. It's – the burn by is like, oh my god! It's like, yeah, exactly. they, they have no. I don't know if it's because of like newborn, newborn giraffe, and they don't know how their bodies work. But geez, it's like you're running out there like your house is on fire. They're gonna go around you, like exactly. Yeah. And and then we do the rotations where we're basically, if you're two passes away, where are you at the dotted line? The old, you know, in the center line, like hand on a line, seeing both mall and man, and that's a zero one. So, but you know, then we, you know, we put all this together, and at the end, like you know, I'm looking at it, like Geo, I did for one for Geo. He was 23 for 39. At okay. 50, he had 58 percent, 
And our goal is if you don't, if you're 70 below, you run a sprint in practice to start the practice below 70%. Okay. So right now, Gio would start practice with 12 sprints. You know what I mean? So he'd go and just go, he'd see his effort stats and he'd be like, I got to go do 12 sprints timed. They all have to be timed. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, he would do it. So now he's pissed off. Cause he's like, man, I got below 70. Like, you know what I mean? And then at the end, if we didn't get 40 deflections as a team, we'd have to run as a team for those 40 deflections. And what and percentage of those players usually got above 70? And do you do 70 for your high school kids? Um, no, I do. I do 60 for my high school kids. Okay. Um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, and I don't as much, I haven't like, uh, cause it's, it's a little bit harder with the high school kids to hold them as much accountable in this. I show them this, but we don't just run as much. If something was blatant and early on, I do, but we, I didn't do this as much the whole year. Okay. Um, cause you know, it's just, it's a, it's a different, you know, the prep school level is just a different one. It's a hard, you know? this would be a hard thing to do for every yeah. game, but yeah. you could do it early. I mean, my we did third, it early on, I do it my first five games. That's, that would be it. my, that would be my advice. The coaches that are listening. Cause I'll try to get a copy of this, but that would yeah. be my advice is do it early. You set the tone early because, I'll, you know. I'll that, tell you right now, we did this at Holy Cross. This is no lie. Um, it was the second game or third game of the year. And the kids at the end, you had to be above 70%, all that. We came in and Coach read these separate stats off, and we lost the game by about 15. And uh, he said, okay, everybody come on to get on the line. We were down to the, the recreational facility because of the main play. I'll never forget it. We had to do 138 sprints as a team. 138 <laughs> sprints. Ah. And I'm telling you right now, they were all timed. And if you didn't make it, we went again. It was like, hey, coach, hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you subscribe and like. Leave a written review. We love those written reviews a lot. Um, also, I would ask that you work on your craft, just like we asked our players to work on their craft. Go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better. And then if you're going to do any shopping, click that Amazon link down below. Use that. Bookmark that. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.